Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, I have a topic I've been wanting to do for a long time, transportation versus logistics, and I got my friend Marty Wadley helping me out. So again, today's topic, transportation versus logistics with my friend Marty Wadley. How's it going, Marty? I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me. So Marty, please introduce yourself and your company. Yep, absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, my name is Marty Wadley. I work for Ruan Transportation Management Systems, headquartered in Des Moines, Iowa. I've been with Ruan for almost 26 years now. Wow. I, I met Marty years ago when I worked working on a, a project together and he is a great guy. So I'm happy he's here to help me on this topic. So before we go any further, Marty, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights. Yep, absolutely. I grew up uh, in central Iowa. I'm an Iowa native. Grew up just a little south of Des Moines. Uh, so I I kind of looked at the Ruan Center uh, my whole life growing up and, and it, you know, it's just a well-respected company. Uh, didn't know I'd ever get to, to work here, but I, I went to school at Martinsdale St. Mary's, uh, little 1A school, uh, class of 42. Uh, graduated, went to Iowa State University, was going to go into uh, chemical engineering. Uh, chemical engineering didn't uh, like me as well as I thought maybe I, I would like it. Bounced around for a couple of different majors, and then I was working at a super value distribution center here in Des Moines, uh, paying my way through school. I was picking picking groceries or picking produce, loading trucks. Kind of got interested in in the movement of goods. Uh, Ruan, or excuse me, uh, Iowa State University was kind of early in their uh, transportation logistics program. It only began, I think, in 1984, 85. Uh, so I kind of stumbled around, found uh, transportation and logistics, uh, which is apt for our, our topic today, since we're talking about the difference between transportation and logistics. Uh, really found a home with that major. Right. Uh, connected with some of the professors. Just uh, really excelled when I when I finally found my true calling in transportation logistics. Graduated in 92. I went to work for uh, an institutional food wholesaler in Waterloo, Iowa uh, called Martin Brothers Distribution. Uh, and I was the second shift routing specialist in driver dispatch. I used a, a routing tool called Roadnet Technologies to do the to do, to do the optimization. Oh, yeah. Those, uh, <laughs> loads that would go out with anywhere from 15 to 30 stops. You know, those drivers were taking product on a two-wheel cart down a ramp into a school or a nursing home, restaurant. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, had a chance to get back to Des Moines. I worked for an LTL carrier at that point, uh, Central Transport. Worked for, they are. Oh, uh, yeah. They're and, based uh, here in Michigan. For, for about a year and a half. I actually uh, applied for a position at Ruan. About the time I was moving back to Des Moines, I, uh, I didn't get that that position with Ruan, but they called me back about a year and a half later for a different role as a design analyst, and I had the opportunity to, to then join that company that I had a lot of respect for growing up here in central Iowa. So I uh, started out as a design analyst, uh, working with uh, an old DOS-based optimization tool called Truck Stops. Uh, quite a few of us probably don't even know what that is, but it was a it was a fairly good optimization tool, multi-stop pedal route optimization tool. Uh, would also consider backhauls for reverse logistics and things like that for our dedicated 
resources. I, I did that for a couple of years. I had an opportunity to become a uh, terminal support manager. So I traveled around the country and I filled in at our, at our operations where we had a dispatcher or a terminal manager that was either had left the company or we chose that they weren't the right fit for the company. But I was on the road about 75% of the time. Uh, we, my wife and I were starting to have family and she wanted me around a little more often. So I wanted to get off the road. There wasn't an opportunity in Des Moines for me here with Ruan. So I, I took an opportunity to relocate to Milwaukee and I became the on-site account coordinator for our largest dedicated customer at the time. Uh, office right in their office, uh, worked with their logistics team, their transportation teams, procurement teams, just a great opportunity for me to learn uh, and, and work closely with that customer. Did that for a couple of years, had the opportunity at that point to come back to Des Moines and manage the uh, design and pricing team, added quality management, and uh, in about 2010, you know, shortly after coming out of the uh, Great Recession, we really decided as a company to, to focus on that third-party logistics side of our business. We'd been in third-party logistics for quite some time. We're a large, dedicated provider. We also provide warehouse services. We provide brokerage services, and we provide logistics or managed transportation services. But we hadn't invested in the right technology. So we, we made the uh, decision to invest in the right WMS, TMS uh, for our services. We integrated those so we can, we can provide an integrated solution to our customers. And we, at that time, needed a, a leader to help us kind of grow, grow that supply chain solutions business. So we created a separate supply chain solutions division, and I became a VP of supply chain solutions uh, in 2010. I became SVP of supply chain solutions. Uh, a few years later, as we were doing very well, we were growing. And, uh, and I think you've, you've talked to Paul Jensen, who is now our SVP of supply chain solutions. So I hired Paul. Yep. He's come in and done just a great job taking us to that next level. And I am now the chief commercial officer at Ruan. I'm over our sales, marketing, and solutions engineering teams. Very nice, man. And you started off, you started up as a shipper, and then you, two places, right? You were a shipper, and then you sat with shippers, which is, I think, invaluable. Just a lot of people who come right out of school, they jump on the phones, and they start making a lot of phone calls. And, and this isn't criticism of anybody. It's just this is kind of how it goes. Sometimes you never get a chance to be in a truck. Sometimes they've never had the opportunity to, to wear the shipper hat and to realize what that's like. That's, that's a challenge we all have in this industry is how do we get people to have the right experiences? And again, there's no, there's no missing, <laughs> there's no way to fill in that missing experience from my perspective. Cause I, I was a shipper I get from automotive. And when you start to realize my stuff's not moving and that launch that I thought was happening isn't going to happen on time. And I have to go and explain myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's a yep. bad place to be empty shelves <laughs> missed launches those are those are catastrophes that nobody forgets yeah you're right i you know i i've just been lucky in my uh positions i've had you know with working in, in a distribution center like i did actually picking product building pallets loading trucks to uh you know working closely with drivers at both uh, central transport and martin brothers actually you know what it would go out and be a, as a driver helper when we were short drivers and that's tough work, uh, right. you know, taking that two wheel car down, down a <laughs> ramp college and, and snow work. and ice. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, but it, it really helped form, you know, my perspective of this industry, which is I, it's just always changing and it's just a wonderful industry to be in. And, uh, you know, the, the difference between transportation logistics is it's, it's wide and varied. And, and so I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. 
Yeah, before we get into that, I've been to Des Moines and see, seen the, the Ruan guys. I've been other, I think I've been halfway around North America with the Ruan team one, one, at different points in time. And uh, you guys are all seemingly big Cyclone fans or big Hawkeye fans. And I think that big game is coming up this week. I'm assuming, like, was Ruan just shut down for a week during that? <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. there's got to be, a, like, a, a, a feud going on internally there. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's a good sport. Uh, obviously, we don't have a professional team in Iowa, so it's it's Iowa or Iowa State. You know, I have a couple uh, sons that are going to you and I, so uh, there's a few Panthers around as well and a few others. But yeah, it's oh, okay. a game this week. We have game day. will be here. ESPN's yeah, game that's game right. Game I know. Uh, both teams won last week. I think Iowa State struggled a little more than some of us thought they would. Iowa looked good, and, I, and <laughs> Iowa looked really good against Indiana. So. We'll see. I haven't seen the line yet on, on what it's going to be, but yeah, it's pretty even. I, you know, we do have a lot of Iowa State uh, Cyclones here, but there's a, a pretty good amount of Hawkeyes as well. So I'd say it's pretty pretty even across the board. And we met some Drake people over there. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, we, we have a few Bulldogs as well. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think the t- today's topic is transportation versus logistics, and one of the and it really shouldn't be versus. It's just the differences. And what's interesting to me is. I spent my most of my career in automotive and and I remember when I moved to a job where I was all of a sudden responsible for a lot of workshops and we were facilitating these lean workshops and all of a sudden I started looking and going oh I guess I have to wade into this logistics more than I had previously it was like somebody we we built stuff you guys picked it up life was good and I started to bang up against the difference between transportation versus logistics versus warehousing versus supply chain. And these words all get used so interchangeably. And I think probably, you know, that's for shorthand, but a lot of times it feels as if it's very imprecise. And so I think Ruan's, you guys came from very much a trucking background. You guys started as a trucking company. And then you said, you know what, we need some warehouses. So you built warehouses. And then at some point you said, we need logistics services and we need technology so you guys grew so you guys do all of this so you guys are the per you, you, marty you're the perfect guy to talk about this because you guys started off one place and now you're every place so i'm gonna throw I'm, i want to just kind of set the table here and then i want to get your two cents on this stuff so if you go back to let's just say what is a third-party logistics company so i'm going to read for just a second not for too long and this is from CSCMP, and I think they're as good as any. And it talks about what is a third-party logistics company. It says, a firm which provides multiple logistics services for use by customers. Preferably, these services are integrated or bundled together by the provider. It's definitely what you guys do. These firms facilitate the movement of parts and materials from suppliers to manufacturers and finished products. So they could include transportation, warehousing, cross-docking, blah, 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 all these different services. So I think when you look at this space, it comes down to this. There's five, And if you look at the top 100 third-party logistics companies, and when I say third-party logistics, I'm throwing in the trucking companies into that. If you look at what the top companies do, they do five big chunks, five categories. The first category is logistics. The second category is transportation. No, not, not going in order of what's important. Logistics, transportation, warehousing, special services, and then technology and web. And so when we talk about logistics services, then we'll go with that first. We're not talking about necessarily the ownership of trucks. I think we're talking a lot of freight brokerage, inbound logistics, payment, auditing, uh, lead logistics provider, 
inventory management. There's a lot of stuff that you're managing the information. And when we talk about transportation services, we're talking about over-the-road trucking, people who own assets, LTL, ocean, trucks, right? That kind of business. So if you were to look at the asset-based kind of companies, we talk about dedicated contract carriage, intermodal, final mile, rail, equipment and drivers, truckload, LTL, ocean, air, small parcel or small package, whatever you want to call it, and bulk. So enough of my blather. <laughs> Marty, what, in your perspective, what is the kind of the difference you see between companies calling themselves logistics companies and co- companies calling themselves trucking com- or transportation companies? Yeah, exactly. And you know, the lines get blurred sometimes with how uh, different companies use these terms. But you know, I, I look at transportation. It's, it's getting a product from point A to point B. It's right. it's part part of that logistics package or that supply chain package. So it could be, you know, I'm I'm getting my inbound product from China to Long Port of Long Beach, right? So that you know, on that container ship, that's that's transportation, right? Right. And that that container company is is my partner there. Once it hits hits the port, I'm going to have to dray that product to my distribution center in LA. That's another piece of transportation. Once I get right. to that distribution center, then I want to distribute that product out to my DCs around the country. So there's three distinct right. you know, pieces of transportation. Logistics would be managing that process of the product coming in on the container, the dray portion, the transport, you know, the transportation out to your DC, and then maybe even that final mile or DSD portion. So uh, logistics companies uh, typically are the ones managing that that broader process, right. or they might call themselves a supply chain solutions provider, but definitely a, a 3PL. But yep. the, the, the term logistics, you, you're right, it, it typically would be defined as somebody that, that may not have assets, right? So they're managing that process, but typically none of those moves would happen on any of their assets. They don't have the container ship, they don't right. have the dray work, they don't have the, the truckload, and then probably don't have the LTL or the, the right. dedicated solution to get that product to the final mile. So they're they're working with a lot of probably different transportation companies to manage the logistics for one of their uh, one of their customers. Yeah, and I use this I use this um, as a an analogy of how much the world has changed for supply chains. So I'm here in Detroit area and I was an automotive guy. So 50 years ago if I said I need to manage my inbound freight, I would have hired a nice uh, probably in a number of nice trucking companies, regional trucking companies that would pick up in Illinois, Minnesota, and Iowa, and <laughs> Ohio, maybe down to Tennessee, and they would pick up my stuff and they would deliver it to my facilities wherever they might be, mostly in the Midwest, right? And life was easy. <laughs> we didn't have we didn't have to be bothered with this internet or anything else, and we didn't do business with China or Mexico very much. They were just afterthoughts. Now, flash forward to today. I say, I'm still in Detroit area and I want to manage my production. Now I get a lot of my stuff from Mexico, other stuff I get from China, India, Europe, Japan, wherever I might be getting it. Now I can't call that regional trucking company. Now I say I have much greater need for coordination. So it makes sense that there's a, a maybe a logistics company in the mix, but that doesn't change the fact that you still need transportation. That's still the big dog, right? But 
you might say, I'm still going to work with that regional trucking company, but I'm also going to work with a regional trucking company from China. I'm also going to work with the ocean carrier and customs people. So you might be coordinating a whole bunch of stuff. And that's not to say the trucking companies, again, you guys are a perfect example. You could take your trucking cap off and say, we do logistics right? and we'll manage all of it. But there's there's some trucking companies that say, no, thanks. Just tell us where to pick it up and where to drop it off. We don't want to get involved with the rest. And, and again, we, we'll, we'll bring in warehousing now. <laughs> warehousing is a whole other segment that blew up over that same time period. Because again, back to the automotive example, you don't you don't support a factory in the Detroit area from China. You you get a warehouse and you ship stuff there because you can't, need a little bit of a buffer there because of the the challenges, especially now. So we have we have needs that are just have exploded for the supply chain. They just said, "Look, we need a lot more help than we needed 50 years ago. We <laughs> we need you to grow up and help us do all these things." So Marty, speak also to, I mentioned warehousing, talk about how that integrates with all this. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to go back just a little bit to the, the transportation side and the logistics side. And you mentioned that, you know, we've kind of, we added uh, warehousing or we added our ability to provide logistic services. Well, what happened was one of our dedicated customers that we were providing a great dedicated solution for, you know, because they outsourced it, hey, this is not our core competency, right? We make right. this widget or this product or whatever it is. You guys are the experts when it comes to buying the right uh, spec equipment, safety, service, hiring drivers, keeping the seats full. You do that for us. We did a, a great job for those customers. Most of our relationships are very uh, tenured. We have 30, 40, 50 year dedicated relationships. Uh, you build trust. I think that's the most important uh, part of a third-party logistics relationship is, is trust and driving waste out of the system. So once we gained that confidence that we could do a great job on the dedicated side, they, they would invariably come and say, hey, we're having issues with our warehousing. Would you <laughs> guys found yourself in the warehousing business. <laughs> yeah, would you set up a dedicated warehouse for us? Or, hey, we can't get our inbound product in here effectively. Uh, visibility is a problem. So we, we knew early on as you know, the internet was, was coming around and visibility was uh, there, data is, is critically important. But we had to invest in, in technology. You can't be a great third-party logistics provider without outstanding technology. So we have what we think of the best uh, WMS, TMS uh, in the industry. They're integrated, they're off-the-shelf uh, software, right? We we didn't want to build that internally and then have issues of, of not being able to fit our customers into our box. We wanted something that was flexible and, and we could uh, move as quickly as our customers needed us. So the warehousing piece, uh, you know, it's just been a, a great addition to our service lines. And, and to provide a warehouse solution when you're also managing the inbound and outbound logistics, as well as providing some of the dedicated services, uh, uh, resources within that supply chain, really, allows that customer to see all of their products from beginning to end throughout the supply chain. Right. And, and, and what you mentioned about that integrated or bundled solution, it has to be that way. If you're siloed, if your warehouse division doesn't you know, work closely with your logistics division, which was, doesn't work closely with your dedicated, you're still going to have right. uh, you know, spots where you don't see your product along the supply chain. And 
every one of our, our shipper partners, our, our customers, our manufacturers, they want to know exactly where their inbound raw material is, whether it's on the parcel shipment, an LTL shipment, truckload, rail, on our dedicated resource, whether it's at our DC or on the right. way to their manufacturing plant. They, they think, hey, I can track on my phone any UPS package I'm getting, you know, from Amazon. So why can't I know exactly where my widget is that I need to get into my uh, automobile or my ATV or whatever it is? So it, it, you have to be integrated. And that's, I think, the value we bring as a third-party logistics provider when we manage more of the supply chain for that customer is allowing them to have that visibility across their supply chain. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. Another aspect of this is if I was if when I when I managed a little third party logistics company, people would say, and this was they're very common. Then this goes back 10 years. You call up and say, I'd like to move your freight. And they say, do you have your own assets? And you say, uh, no, I don't click. <laughs> they're, they're all done. There was not everybody, but some people really didn't like the idea that you didn't own the trucks. And they would say, you're a middleman. And what I would always say is there's no tr- there's and Ruan's a huge trucking company. How many assets, how many trucks do you guys have? We have about 4,000. Yeah, so you guys are one of the elite. I don't think there's too many trucking companies that big. But it's really hard for a trucking company to say we have full coverage through North America or we have capacity always where you want it. So I would say logistics companies can say, well, we work with 15,000 trucking companies, which I always, my first thing is, how many did you write checks to last month? Is all I always ask because they always say I have forty thousand carriers we work with. How many checks did you write last month? <laughs> it's usually two, three, four hundred, right? But the logistics providers can come in and say, "Look, we have we we work with all these guys and we have capacity." That's why companies, I think, companies like yours, Marty, over time said, "You know what? We have we we are managing a ton of freight for these guys." And we are also maybe do well, speaking of which, d- describe what dedicated is for us before I go any further. Yep, absolutely. So our dedicated model is not dedicated capacity. It's true dedicated contract transportation. So it's basically private fleet under another name. So I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, sometimes shippers, they, they, they started their own fleet 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and they've had their fleet and they get to the point where they realize they were not buying good at the best equipment. We're not good at it, right? We, we don't know how to spec the equipment. We don't have the buying power. We don't have the fuel purchasing power. We don't know how to effectively recruit and retain drivers. And so they, they decide, hey, I, I still want that private fleet feel, but I, I want to outsource that to another provider, which you outsource all that CapEx, right? We take on that responsibility. Uh, the, the insurance uh, follows the, the name on the truck, which is our name on the truck. But quite often, our trailers and our, our tractors are branded as our customer wants them branded. So it will have their name right. on the trailer, their name on the tractor. It just says operated by Ruan on the door. Our drivers quite often will have our customer's name on one side of the shirt and our name on the other side. They probably typically would wear our customer's hat. We Quite often, we answer the phone at, you know, and we're, we're on site, typically at our customer's manufacturing locations, shipping locations. Uh, our team members work closely with the with our customers on a daily basis, and we, quite frankly, answer the phone as X customer logistics. It's typically not Ruan. It's you know we we really get ingrained. I've, I've used this uh, before. I think I've talked to Chris Fish about this. I said you guys are like Intel, 
Intel is always Intel inside on your, if you look at your laptop, it says Intel inside. And because after a while, they're like, you know, we're doing a lot of the heavy lifting here, but no one knows who we are. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of big trucking companies. You go, oh yeah, I see your trucks on the road. You probably see Ruan's trucks on the road all the time. They just say another company on the side of the trailer. And, yep, and that's on the right. tractor. You have to look close where it says operated by Ruan. <laughs> yeah, we want you to keep your eyes on the road. But yeah, if you look <laughs> at that door, you'll probably see about 4,000 of those tractors going up and down the road with operated by Ruan. So, so what I was starting to say is big trucking companies, even big trucking, you can give somebody a dedicated dedicated service. Then you say, look, and we also have our own trucks that we'll, we manage. But uh at some point, you'll open up a logistics business to support your customers even further. And I think that's what we've seen in the whole industry. There's a whole, it seems like every trucking company now says, we also have a full service brokerage or we're a full service 3PL. And I think the reason is, first, the backhauls, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, backhaul is a nice thing to have, but also as another way just to say, I'm going to serve I'm going to get all of the business with my one customer. I don't like the idea that I couldn't move 5% of their stuff because we don't do LTL or, you know, or, you know, whatever they wanted that you weren't able to provide with your own assets, you said, will grow via logistics. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Because, you know, we do a lot of LTL, but it's multi-stop truckload is what right. we do. Right? We're, we're going out uh, from a distribution center with 15, 20 stop loads making those deliveries, picking up inbound raw material or dunnage, coming back, or a third-party backhaul. Right? We want to have as few empty miles as possible to, to drive that cost of that fleet down. But you're absolutely right. We, we, you know, you don't call Ruan typically to get something moved on our asset from L.A. to New York, right? We'll manage that process for you. We'll find the right carrier to move it because we, we do have those 15,000 carrier partnerships. You know, there are there are 500,000 carriers in the U.S., Joe. The vast majority, 90% of those are fewer than five trucks. Right. So the ability to aggregate that that capacity is a critical part of what brokers do, what third-party logistics right. providers do, because the shippers, they have a difficult time going out and, and aggregating that capacity. You know, there's, there's talk about uh, you know, digital marketplace and, and all of these things, Uber freight, uh, that I think are coming. But it's still a uh, pretty, you know, doggy dog world out there trying to find the right carrier with the right capacity to move that oh, freight yeah. for you at any given time. So I think there's a ton of value from from brokers' perspective, as well as uh, a broader uh, third party logistics or logistics perspective, where our relationships with our our customers when we provide logistics, it's a it's a transparent uh, relationship. Right? We have no markup on the freight. We don't make money on the buy side, sell side. We have either a per transaction fee or a management fee. And whatever we can do to drive waste out of the system, all of that goes back to our customer. They benefit from that, that partnership. And we really think that that grows a, a trusting and long-term strategic partnership with, with customers. Right. It's interesting. When I left the little 3PL I was at, I went to work for a trucking company. I thought, well, this is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. I knew these guys for a long time. And they had like 500 trucks. And and I remember thinking, it's going to be a lot easier selling truck business as opposed to you know logistics. And I remember companies when I would call and say, yeah, you know, I'd like to help you, help you move your freight. And they would say, do you have your own trucks? And I say, yeah. And then what I would never say is, but I'm never going to move your stuff on my trucks. <laughs> I'm going to move it through other networks because that customer 
was working with General Motors and Ford and other customers are, that they had dedicated, they were dedicated, they were not dedicated like yours. They had steady lanes that they supported assembly plants. So they're not going to say, oh yeah, we support Ford. We move uh, five days a week for them. But you know, this little mom pa lumber company would like to move some freight. We'll move our truck over there for the day. That's not the way it works. So I remember when I would go see the guys in operations and say, yeah, I got a customer. And they're like, mm, probably not, Joe, but let's talk about it. <laughs> right. So I also, I never realized this until I worked at a trucking company when I would say, I've got this, these guys want to move this stuff from point A to point B. And they'd say, do you have a backhaul? And I'd say, um, no, but maybe you guys, no, we don't. <laughs> and then they'd say, don't bring us freight if you don't have backhauls. This is, this is a tight business. And I was like, damn, this is hard. <laughs> you don't realize when you're on the logistics side, you're a freight broker or 3PL, you don't recognize the difficulty that goes on in the trucking side of this business and that you guys do because you own the trucks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's critically important. I mean, the backhaul and quite often, you know, when we, we've taken over a private fleet, they would you know, not bring backhaul back. Right? They had that private fleet for the sole purpose of getting their product delivered to their customers in, in an efficient manner with great service, specialized equipment. But they just were focused on getting that asset back. They were good so at we, the head haul. <laughs> yeah, right. But you can still be good at the head haul. But now let's let's put some uh, backhaul freight on there and really reduce those empty miles, lower your overall cost. You still provide the great service those customers are looking for. But, they would never uh, be able to do that, though. That's the thing. I mean, that's why you need to go. I say this not to just be uh, salesy here, but I would never want to own my own trucks. I would say, damn, let Ruan manage them. Let's let somebody manage those and they can get backhauls. And you, if you lose that backhaul, you've got guys on the phone finding a, finding a new backhaul that, that same day. Yeah, we're, we're seeing more and more opportunity. It's just, you know, the driver shortage is real. Uh, it's, it's across the, the industry, whether it's, there's a great article in Transport Topics last week about private fleets always had this, uh, you know, great, uh, pipe, pipeline of drivers, right? You know, I want to work for a private fleet. Right. Well, I think carriers have caught up, you know, it, there's no longer this big gap in benefits and pay and, and you know, consistent work. We're doing relays where drivers are home quite often every night or every other night, definitely home every week to see their family. It's, it's really about, you know, creating jobs for, for drivers. And that's what we do. We, we go out of our way to, to be as uh, you know, driver friendly as we can because it, it's just very difficult to to bring attract drivers to this industry, right? right. Now, you know as as well as anybody that you have to be 21 to get your class A CDL in the U.S. You lose 18, 19, 20 year olds to some other trade. It's tough to swing them back around at 22 and, and get them into a, a seat and, and have them you know, move freight around the country. So it's it's critically important that we, we we retain as many drivers as we can because you know that's that's just like you said. You can have all the logistics companies in the world. If they don't have any assets or if they don't have the drivers to move that freight, they're not going to get the product where it needs right. to be. Right. And one other thing, you guys are you guys are always winning the safety awards, which is one if I was a driver, I would want to work for a company that valued safety because going to work and getting paid is great, but uh keeping keeping your health and safety uh is uh 
pretty important too. So I think that's another thing that people miss when they look at price. This drives me crazy is when somebody says, oh yeah, well, these guys are 10 bucks cheaper, 20 bucks cheaper, 40 bucks cheaper. They're missing something there, which is I want the companies that have nice new trucks that that have safety programs that that are doing all the right things because saving 50 bucks doesn't mean much if someone was uh, in an accident or if you got old equipment and it's not representing your company the right way. I think it used to be that way, Joe. It used to be that it was it was all about a dollar. Where can I save money in my transportation? But as not, we've seen after the last eighteen months, maybe we retrain the market. <laughs> yeah, we have, but definitely. But you see these uh, nuclear verdicts. I don't know if you saw the one that was just oh, yeah. reported in, in Florida uh, a couple weeks ago. That was a billion dollar uh, award, right? A hundred million compensatory, nine hundred million punitive, billion. Right. So why would anybody want to drive their own truck anymore? Right. right? So I, we're seeing more and more outsourcing, but th- there's challenges to that as well. I mean, just, just to, you know, secure the insurance that we need to protect ourselves, protect our customers. Those rates are, are rising, you know, uh, incredibly at a high rate of speed. But we're, we see our accident rates. Going down, right. incredible. We so all of our equipment has collision mitigation, real stability. You name it, we have we have the uh, the technology. We have the cameras. We got the video safety program, which is inward and outward facing. Right, it's, drivers don't necessarily like that inward facing, but we only trigger that if there's an event. Right, if we right, you're, you're departure. not spying on them all day. <laughs> no, if there's a It'd heartbreak, be pretty boring it, anyway. <laughs> it would. Maybe, so maybe we, you get to catch them singing a song a little bit with with, with the radio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But we've seen just tremendous benefit from the coaching from that. And uh, I think I think with the, the Drive Safe Act that a uh, few senators are trying to push through uh, the House and the Senate is, is you know targeted toward bringing 18, 19 year olds into the industry. Right? If they can be in the military and they can uh, discharge a weapon, or they can actually drive a, a big rig in the military, eighteen or nineteen. Uh, I think there's a, a pipeline that we could, we could you know, really attack right. this driver shortage issue if we do that. Now, the, the video safety program is very helpful for that that 18, 19 year old. Right? We can coach on on issues that we see based on their their driving tendencies. Yeah, and I think you know we mentioned the safety, super important. I would not want to be driving an old truck. It's the, I mean, you're driving. <laughs> The 40,000 pounds around. You don't want to drive an old truck. You don't want to be with a trucking company that's not doing the right thing. Safety wise, they're, they're asking you to do things that are inappropriate. You don't, you know, they're wrong. I wouldn't want to work for one of those company kind of companies. And also I think what we're seeing more and more is people saying you're going to be home more often if, if we can all make that work. And I think one of the other things, it still blows me away that we have this in trucking that I could drive eight hours and then somebody says yeah just sit in the parking lot for an hour or two while i figure out how to unload your truck that it it just seems horribly disrespectful and i always use the analogy marty if i decide to get in the car and drive up to see you in minnesota it's like eight nine hours from detroit probably right get up there and you said hey joe we're looking forward to it we'll go out to lunch just sit in your car for a few few minutes so we're ready (laughs) like damn i i hate that guy (laughs) how dare he well, we yeah. do that to people. And I love the idea when I see companies that say, we're going to open up a nice lounge and you kind of come in and use our Wi-Fi, take a shower, sit on the couch, watch watch the TV, catch up on your uh, email, whatever you want to do. Have maybe a refrigerator with some drinks, 
not alcoholic, obviously, for this business, but uh, that to me shows the respect that this job deserves. It's it's a tough, grueling job, and we don't always treat it right. Yeah, you're right. And that so that's incredibly important. But the I'm going to kind of switch it around to the logistics view of it again. So what's more important to that driver or that carrier is getting that driver in and out quickly. It'd be right. great if we had a you know a nice break room for him with a shower and right a lounge and better whatever, to get but, me get me home. <laughs> but but if I know that I can hit your dock at eight o'clock this morning and you're going to have me unloaded or loaded by eight thirty and I'm back out of there, that's what that carrier wants. That's what that driver wants, so they can keep those wheels turning. Right? They, they don't burn up their their clock for the day by setting at a dock. So we we always hear about this you know, shipper of choice. We. We like to consider ourselves that 3PL of choice, right? We want to coach our customers, our shippers, our manufacturers on, hey, we need to get the, these carriers in and out uh, more quickly. Then they'll give you the capacity, right? And they'll actually probably give you a, a, a rate uh, reduction because right. you're, you're getting them in and out quickly. So we, we use our, all of our technology to provide a dock scheduling solution inbound and outbound right. that our carriers can access via the web. Uh, VR portals, so can our customer. We can, we can, all three of those uh, integrated partners can then, uh, you know, select that dock schedule time uh, and then get in, get out and keep that, that asset right. moving. So that's critically important. Yeah. I think, in the, you know, when you think about customer, customer versus vendor, right? Everyone, all of us have, all of us have customers, all of us have suppliers that we work with. And I think for a long time there was like, well, hey, they work for us. So when I, I'm paying them good money to sit in that parking lot, uh, this with trucking, it's a little different because there is lots of, with the shortage. I'm sure you still treat every one of your customers like they're the customer, but you also have the choice of which customers you work with. And trucking companies have the choice of which lanes they'll take. And I think, you know, get me in and out quickly Are you, is so important, but I've heard that there's a, a growing more drop-off business, more drop-and-hook business. Is, is that what you're seeing? Yeah, if, if the, the shipper, the manufacturer can't get you in and out quickly, then, yeah, you put a trailer in, uh, trailer pool in, and you'll do a drop-and-hook. That way you can keep your your driver moving. Now that increases cost, right? Because now I have more right. assets in play. Instead of a, maybe a, a two-to-one trailer ratio, maybe I'm a, and when I say trailer ratio, that's two trailers to every tractor. You may have to bump up to three or four or five trailers, depending on how many different mm-hmm. locations you're dropping trailers at. So it, it will start to impact cost at some point, but it does keep that that driver moving, which is the most drivers want to drive portion. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's the biggest cost portion of a transportation company, and and it's without that driver until we get to a point where we have you know fully automated vehicles, which I don't know that that will ever happen. I think there's always going to be a driver in the seat. Uh, our trucks are as automated as they they can be with all the technology we have on them. But yeah, that driver is, is critical important. So whether it's a a drop and hook situation, uh, dock schedule, relay, whatever we can do to keep those drivers moving, keep it keep it moving. So so Marty, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little summary of this topic for just a second, and then I want to get your final thoughts on and, and how do we reach out to Ruan. So again, when we're talking about third party logistics companies, I think you can look at and say there's really four big five big chunks. So we have this logistics services. Again, they're managing inbound logistics. They might be the guys who can find you the truck, find you the LTL. Uh, they might be your lead logistics provider. They might be the payment and auditing processing, all that kind of stuff. So they're managing the a system. Maybe it's inventory. 
And then there's transportation services. And again, that over-the-road trucking, LTL, rail, final mile, intermodal, anything that's, as Marty said, moving it from point A to point B, that's transportation. Then warehousing, increasingly important. You know, that's the pick and pack, cross-docking, inventory management, vendor management. I joke about this, but it's not too far off as a lot of warehousing is taking things out of big boxes, putting them in little boxes and shipping them. But we have a lot of fulfillment happening these days. And then we have special services, which is like sustainability and security analysis, import, export, customs, reverse logistics, global expansion. That's, I can't think, the catch-all bucket. And then last but not least is technology. We talk about technology a lot on the podcast. These are five big buckets. And, you know, again, this is an industry that uh, there's so much overlap because there's this integration that companies like Ruan, when you say, which one are you in? It's all of them. What do you want us to be today? Right. So I imagine you have some customers that say, just let me use your warehouse. Well, I I don't know if you do that, but you might say, just use our warehouse or just use a truck every once in a while. Then you have customers who do everything with you. So final thoughts on this, Marty. Yep, absolutely. So I think the, you know, the the key uh, takeaway is around logistics, transportation, and warehousing all critically important to a shipper, to a manufacturer, to, to a 3PO. But without the special services and the technology, you really can't drive the value you want with those services. Right. So I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, technology is, is critical. Data is critical. Uh, people want to know uh, right now, where's my freight? Uh, where should I put my next distribution center? We see growth in, in the Northeast. So our, we have uh, the team members and the technology to do that network study for our customers to say, you, you should put your next plant here. This is where your next distribution point should be based on your inbound and outbound uh, products, your plant capacities that you have. So, you know, we, we have to come to the table with that right technology as a, as a third party logistics provider. The days of, you know, just partnering with somebody because they can bring some capacity to the table or just paying my freight bill, right? We, we pay freight bills, right? But we do A to Z as well, right? So we do the, the optimization, the tendering, the execution, the visibility, the reporting, the freight out of the bay, claims management. That's what a third-party logistics uh, company brings to the table, and that's what we want for our customers. Yeah. Well, and again, I've said this. If you're a small company, you're a mom and pa, and you say we do an occasional shipment, feel free. You can work with a small broker. It doesn't matter. You might not need the technology. You might not have the ability to integrate it. Who cares about two shipments a week? But if you're a big company, you say, hey, we're expanding across uh, the nation and across North America. You have to have somebody who can scale with. You have to have somebody who can grow with you because you're going to be asked to grow. You're going to be asked to do things for your customers. And and you're not going to want to say, oh, yeah, we're going to all of a sudden get our own WMS, our own TMS. I think increasingly you see shippers saying, the reason I went with that company is because they can integrate the technology. I mean, it's kind of shocking from where we came from. Marty, if I was to tell you, you know, 20 years ago that you'd have that many data people working for you, you're like, no, no, you don't understand. I work at a trucking company. <laughs> yeah, we, we now have three data scientists working at yeah. Ruan, right? Yeah. Plus you know, a myriad of other, you know, technology. I, I told somebody yeah. this the first time I visited you guys in Des Moines years ago. Um, somebody said, yeah, I, I kept thinking to myself that I'm going to drive out somewhere in the outskirts of the city. And there'll be a big truck yard and I'll park somewhere and I'll walk a half a mile <laughs> past a million trailers. <laughs> and, and they kept saying, no, we're downtown, we're downtown. And then I got there, I was like, 
and they used to stay at the Hyatt next door that I think Ruan owned <laughs> or developed. I think that fact. Yeah. And then they are in this thirty-story building. I was like, this doesn't look like a like a trucking company. <laughs> like their trucks are somewhere else. So business has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, it sure has. So we can get you to one of our our dedicated operations. No, no, I've seen the trucks. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, before we go. What's new over at Ruan? Uh, well, first off, who do you guys serve? What's your sweet spot? And what's new over? What's going on? Are you guys going to conferences or not? <laughs> yeah, conferences are, are starting to, to pop back up. I think they'd like to get to some of them in person, but I think you know, with the Delta variant here, they're going to probably be virtual for a while. We're still, uh, you know, at the corporate office, uh, about 80% working remotely and 20% in the office. All of our, our drivers and warehouse team members technicians they don't have that option right they have to go to the office every day to go to work so uh but they're, with they're the essential workers that begin before the other essential workers get there <laughs> they are uh the team members here are essential but you know when you've got a 34 story building and you have to get 10 to 12 people per car and the elevator going up that it causes some concern so we want to be as cautious as possible and be as safe we we had a plan to bring everybody back uh, to the office actually this week. We've, we've delayed that because of uh, the Delta variant. So we're going to be thoughtful uh, as we look to, to bring team members uh, back in. But we're just seeing uh, just tremendous opportunity uh, in in all the verticals we serve. You know, we serve uh, metals industry. We're big in food and beverage, uh, pharma. We're just seeing great opportunities from from a dedicated perspective where you know companies with private fleets have decided you know, I just don't want to have that headache anymore. Or, you know, they've always used carriers in the past and now they can't find that capacity. And hey, let's let's maybe try that dedicated solution. So just great opportunity there with our technology and a flexible solution and our, our strategic transparent approach. We're seeing a ton of, of growth opportunities around that warehouse side, around the logistics side. So, you know, we've done well these last two years. It's, it's been strange, uh, you know, living through COVID. But it's been a good two years for Ruan, and, and we see uh, plenty of growth opportunities going forward. And uh, and I, I think our services that we provide, from brokerage to dedicated to warehouse uh, to managed transportation, really work together to provide that single integrated uh, bundled solution that you mentioned when we started the conversation. Right. Yeah. Bundled or integrated, that's the name of the game in our business. You know, don't give me something. I don't want transactional. I want strategic. I always joke. I... I don't want to date. I want to get married. That's that's my motto when it comes to 3PLs. But, you know, you mentioned uh, you're dedicated. And again, that's where the, the, the tractor and the trailer looks like it's your customer. The driver looks like it's your customer. But you guys own the asset you met and you're managing the the driver and because you guys are good at it. You said that some customers are saying, we're tired of managing our own fleet. We're going to ask, we're going to so Ruan takes over that. They're going to manage our driver, our drivers. They'll be all assets that belong to Ruan. The other thing you started to mention is there were some shippers who are saying, you know, I've been using, I've been using carriers for years, but it's not working anymore. I want my own trucks because I can't keep having the spikes or I can't keep missing loads. Is that like a big deal now? It is. I mean, in the past, dedicated was looked at as a higher price solution, right? Because of that safety, that service, uh, specialized equipment. Yeah, and you got your equipment training. with your, your name on the side. Absolutely. And and it was a balance, right? Well, I can find enough carriers to move my freight, and the service is, is good enough that I don't want to pay that slight uptick 
uh, for dedicated service. But now with spot rates where they are, even contract rates uh, have gone up, I, I think anywhere from, you know, depending on whose uh, information you look at, 25 to, to 60% over the last couple of years through COVID. Our dedicated rates stay pretty flat. We, we ask for about- predictable too. <laughs> they are, you could budget to them. We we basically want to, to get an increase annually for our drivers, to give them an increase, which as a private fleet, you would do that for your drivers right. or you do that for your other uh, team members and your plants and your distribution centers. So we see, you know, somewhere between that one and a half to three percent annual increase for our dedicated fleet, as opposed to these wide swings of, hey, I'll move your freight, but it's you know going to be fifty percent more than I, I would have charged you six months yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. And I would say this: I can say this, putting my shipper hat on for a second. The real problem isn't paying more. The real problem is not moving it. You know, and and I remember running into this. Again, when I was still in automotive, somebody said, you have to talk to me about all this air freight you use from China or to China. And I remember somebody said, don't worry about that, Joe. What you'll really have to explain is if we don't launch on time. So I wouldn't be fired for paying extra because we needed an air freight. I'd be fired for not moving it at all. And that's from my perspective, you know, people get real short-sighted, go, oh, I had to pay an extra 15% because of COVID or because of the rates jump. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, it's... It's 15% of not of, of the entire uh, product cost. It's 15% of transportation costs. So I want, I want quality. I want stability. I don't, I would not want to say, yeah, I'm always getting the cheapest rate. Cause I'm, I know I'm going to be playing with fire. Yeah. I think we got better through COVID, you know, as a, as a dedicated provider, you typically, you know, these, like you said, you, you can't run four days for customer X and then oh, I'm just going to move some, some freight for customer Y on Friday, right? You, you typically have freight for that customer all week. But what we saw through COVID is we saw certain verticals volume bump, other verticals volume just went through the roof, right? So some of our food and beverage, pharma, way up. Some of our metals, manufacturings, way down. We were able to transition those assets, those resources away from some of those businesses were down over to some of our other business and, and keep those drivers moving, keep them productive, uh, not, you know, hit a customer with a, a fixed asset that's parked against the fence, right? Nobody wants to pay for something if it's right. not moving. So we, we really got better uh, uh, from a Ruan Freight Exchange standpoint of understanding where all of our assets were. Where, what could we do if we don't have enough volume with this customer today? Can we now shift over and right. freight? So it, it's about the visibility, not only of, of that customer supply chain, but all of our freight that we manage. Which we manage about 1.5 billion uh, of freight today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, about half a billion of that uh, doesn't move on our assets. So you know that's that's a lot of freight that we're moving uh, outside of what we do on our own uh, 4,000 assets that we move in the country daily. Wow. Well, what I'll do, Marty, is I'm going to put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, and I'll also put a link to your website and anything else that uh, you guys want to give me. I'll put a link to those in the show notes, and I do appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And if anybody wants to get some more information about Ruan, please uh, go to ruan.com. Yep, I will put that link, and you just guys, guys just got to click on it. Great company. Well, thank you so much, Marty. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. Great topic. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. 
You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.